Turn to Joshua 24, if you would, last chapter of the book of Joshua. If you get to Judges, back up a verse or a chapter, and we will look at it. I'm just going to read a couple verses, and then we'll kind of jump into it. Joshua 24, and uh, I'm going to pick it up at verse 14. Now, therefore, and we'll reflect on why therefore is there. But now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him with sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, well, then you choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods which uh, were the gods of your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, and we ask that the same spirit in which Joshua spoke this, the same spirit that gave the words to him and wrote it down, that, Lord, now your Holy Spirit would speak it to us, to our heart, in our life. And, Lord, as the people there responded and said, we will do that, Lord, I pray that our hearts would respond in like manner. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here in chapter 24, I wish we had time to go through the whole chapter, but I'm just going to emphasize one part of it. But just uh, Joshua spends this chapter reflecting essentially on the tremendous battles uh, as Joshua is coming to the end of his life and his ministry and what a tremendous ministry he had had. But he's reflecting on that. And but not only the, the, the history as he had led them, uh, but even their history as a people all the way back going, he mentions from Abraham on. And there was something there that there had been battle after battle, generation after generation, constantly there from Abraham to Isaac. He had Jacob had his battles. Moses had his battles. Joshua had his battles. But they, they, they didn't end ever at all. I mean, you get Othniel and then you go on. You got 450 years of uh, the judges there and of the battles after battles and the struggles that they had back and forth. And you look at whether the battles that Eli was to deal with or, Sam, or Samuel and uh, then Saul and David uh, and, and going on constantly. The, Israel, was, uh, Israel was a history of, of battles, constant battles, unendingly so. And then here is Joshua is now kind of reflected on the battles and then his battles that he led them through. And he's going to tell them, you, you've got to decide who you're, the real battle, who you're going to serve, what you're going to do uh, you know, with it, that every generation has had. No different, no change there. You've got to decide for yourself. But then after he discusses all the other battles, he says, now, but as for me, he discusses his own personal battle. His own personal world. It's one thing in general to talk about the history of Israel, the battles that they've been through, you know, through and catalog all of those. But then ultimately, when it can come down, my battles that we all have, you know, here Joshua says, but as for me and my house, that's the greatest of battles so often. Many other battles that we have to fight are actually much simpler sometimes than the battle that goes on within our own home. And that commitment that we kind of have and long for, hopefully, that we would serve the Lord ourselves and that everybody under my roof, then my house would as well. And, the, and the, the great thing that happens, the older you get, 
you know, I've got now great-grandchildren, four great-grandchildren, but the older you get, the more you realize how you, you love ministry, you love all the other battles, all the other things that you've been, but the older you get, it kind of narrows down more and more to your own rough. You look more and more at your own roof, your own children, your own grandchildren, your own great-grandchildren, 13 grandchildren. And, you know, and, and how much time and thought and prayer that my wife and I put in. Their battles, watching them grow up, talking to their moms and dads and the things that they're going through and caring so much, uh, you know, for these things. And here is, is Joshua's finishing up. He's looking there at the real battle that we all have. The real purpose for which we all exist, what it really comes down to, and that is to know and love and serve the Lord. As for me and Maya, we will serve him. Everything else pales in, consideration, in, in, in comparison to that. Nothing else is as important as this. And ultimately, as Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom of God, the, the, the king in his kingdom, and our own heart, our own life, and then what we have to really rule over within our lives. And I'll tell you, I mean, after pastoring all the years that I have, the most difficult thing, most difficult part of life to me has never really been in pastoring. Never did, you know, been in the ministry. I mean, you go through all sorts of issues, you know, in the different roles that I've had through the years in ministry and leadership or training or discipling or planting churches or raising up leaders and the problems within a church and sometimes personalities or financial or different structural decisions. The things that you're constantly made that in and of themselves, they're their own form of a battle. But the real battle you know, that really, you know, things life comes down to. There is the battle and the struggle that goes on in raising our own family. That's, that, that, that has been the greatest battle for me. You know, the, uh, now my sons are, you know, run from 46 to 51. And the battles have settled. Their heart and their life, you know, are settled in. Who they are and what they're all about and their homes and marriages, and they're settled. And that's such a wonderful thing. But I can tell you, quite honestly, there was a true, true story many years. when I, I don't know how many times I've taught through the Bible, how many times I've taught through the book of, of Joshua. I always skipped over the second part of verse 15. As for me and my house. It was something there I struggled so much, you know, not with other areas of ministry, not with other things. It was my house. And my boys growing up and some of the struggles, the three boys, teenage years, and being able to sit there and really, oh, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And you know, with the devil right behind you can say, oh, really? When's that going to start? You know, or something. And, you, and you hear, your world there is being shaken. Every, your convictions of what you believe, there's where the real battle can go on. There's where the real struggles are that, that, that we have and that I certainly am familiar with. Remember, sometimes I'd be driving down the street and you'd be driving behind a car and it had on it, you know, my child was honor student of the month at so-and-so academy, you know, and you'd be following that car and thinking about it and thinking, really? I want a bumper sticker that said, well, my child beat up your honor student, you know, or something. My child is honor student of the month at county correctional or something there. I don't, the things I'm dealing with at times under my own heart, my own life of realizing the toughness of it. But I'll tell you, I think that when somebody just begins to want to say that, that when you would look at your heart and your life today and you say, I want, I want to claim that. I want to stick that verse on my refrigerator. I want to stick that on my mirror in the morning when I get up and shave. 
I want to write, I want that written on the tablet of my heart. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I'll tell you when you do that. If you're willing to do that, that's something I long today that every one of us could and would want to. But let me give you a few words. I think that if you would, and you'd say, that's what I want. A few words. The first one, the first word I want to give you is the word battle. The word battle. You hang that verse on the tablet of your heart. You hang that there over your life. And you look there, I promise you, I can guarantee you, you'll have battles. There you will become well acquainted with grief, with sorrow, sleepless nights. Because once you do that, you have now set yourself in total opposition to the destroyer of the world, to the destroyer of life. The one there that you have now put yourself in total opposition to. You're just like you have just just like the children of Israel when they if they want to just stay in the wilderness. No more battles. <laughs> stay over here. Battles are over. But as soon as somebody says, I'm crossing Jordan, I'm going in the promised land. As soon as that they would do that. Now they've signed up for battles. Now they now they they're just not going to just have. Oh, here. Great. Here's the world. No, God says you'll fight for them. Right now, it's total enemy territory you're now venturing into. And when somebody there, you know, says, this is, this is what I want. I want that verse. I want to say, so, you know, me and my house will serve the Lord. Let me tell you, just like in Joshua goes through it. You, you got Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Jezurites, Moabites, Amalekites, endless. One after another. And as soon as you got one battle kind of solved, there's another one. And there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. And it never ends till heaven. It never ends. I mean, I look at my parents who lived, my dad, 95, my mother to 92. It never ended for them. It never, because they had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And they, you know, they got up and day by day prayed for them by name, prayed at a list of the issues in their life that they were praying for, their struggles and their battles. Their homes, our homes, our families. And when somebody there that they really look there and realize you only go through life once. And they want the highest thing that they could possibly have for their life and for their family and their children. And their children's children. Then they, 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 they've, uh, now there's a whole new regard for life. There's a whole new intensity. It just isn't me. It isn't am I Okay. Albert Einstein, who I don't know that he had a spiritual bone in his body, but he once said, the man who regards uh, uh, his own life and the life of his fellow creatures as meaningless is not merely unhappy, but he's hardly fit for life himself. When somebody just, oh, who cares? What's the difference? What are you alive for? You're not even fit for life. What are we on the planet for? If we're not going to become open and vulnerable and if we don't open our life to, to battles and to warfare and to where, uh, warfare. If we're not looking and saying, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to see God. I'm here to see him glorified in my life and in the lives of all those around. And like St. Augustine once said some 15 centuries ago, thou hast made us uh, 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 for thyself, O God. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And when somebody looks, I will constantly be. Till I finally you know, get that ultimate rest. We already looked this morning at, at, at rest. Spiritual rest. Daily rest. But the ultimate rest is to realize the battle goes on.
And but oh, when we begin to desire that our life or the lives of our loved ones would be there for God, would be there as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now you've got a battle. I'll tell you, the worldly man, just a natural worldly man, just looks at his own life and the life of his own children. And that's all he has is this life in this world. He's chosen a much easier, a much simpler world to live in. The task of raising his children, much simpler. It requires little. It just says, you know, there, but, but for the person that longs that the kingdom of heaven would be created within their children's lives, that the throne of God would be established within them, and that their lives would be sense serving the Lord. There's a battle. There's a real battle, a tremendous battle. Another word that goes with it to me as I ponder this thing, second word, if you, once you get battle, is the word challenge. You've now, you've signed up for a battle. You're signed up for a battle. And in that battle, though, comes this great sense of a challenge because nobody is born in this life, in this world. None of us were ever born like this. We are all born in the likeness of fallen sinful man. Adam fell in the garden. We all sinned in Adam, Romans tells us. All of us, ever since Adam and Eve fell, all they could do was replicate themselves. Fallen man. And we all fell. We all died in Adam. We all lost spiritual life. We all lost his kingdom. We all lost his presence. We all lost the capacity to serve him. And then when somebody there now, they looks and they've got a higher objective. They're then taking somebody and just, oh, well, let them be themselves. Selfish and arrogant and proud and nasty or whatever else, that's their business. But when now there's a higher objective. Now, as I said, anybody else, just raising your children is an easier thing in the world, in a natural world. You can be a fallen child, become all sorts of things. Great boxer, great athlete, great scholar, can become president, <laughs> can be, you know, senator, doctors, lawyers, these rock stars. They can be all sort of, they can, all you have to do is appeal to human senses, human drive, human discipline. Just be human, but be your best at being a human and you can do all sorts of successful things and, and in the world be proud of them. Look at my boy. Look what he is. Is he going to heaven? No, I don't know anything about heaven. Does he serve the Lord? Oh, I don't know about that either. But he serves himself well. He's, a, he's an accomplished something there or whatever. But when somebody looks and they desire to serve the Lord, now there's this whole new challenge that comes, you know, because, you know, you, you required something and, and, and desired something that requires far more than the will of man. Far more than just blood and guts. Far more, all the king's horses and all the king's men can't help you in this thing. No, it takes far more than that. Far more than the will of man. It takes the will of God. It takes the power of God. You'll need all the forces of heaven at your side. You'll need the Father must will it. Jesus must become an advocate for it. He must intercede for it. The Holy Spirit must move in power and authority. He must come there upon the child and come into their heart and convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He must be somebody that helps them overcome the powers of darkness. Somehow to prevail in their life, the Spirit of God must be able to withstand their rebellion and their selfishness, their quenching and their grieving that they can do of his work. 
And we've got as there is the adults to be willing to withstand it all as well. It's a whole other world. It's a whole other dimension that now when somebody says, as for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. Entirely different. And then when the Lord also, he looks at us and he says, well, this you too, not just want this for your child. You too must be filled with him. You too must be in his likeness. You too must have a plan. You too must long to serve. As for me, Joshua said first, then my house will serve. I'm first in line for that request. I must never forget that. Somebody there that knows what it is like the Lord does with, you know, to raise children. He knows how to raise us, but the way he does it is he puts away our sin. He forgives our sin. He forgets it. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I buried it. I hide it behind his back. I'll remember it no more. And there is, we would be able to look at our children and with all of their failures, all of their stubbornness, all their rebellion, to be able to look, I forgive it. And I forget it. And I carry on. And I still reach out. There, no matter what it is, of being able to forget the past and then get back to the task again and again to reach out in kindness and gentleness and patience and long-suffering towards them. There to realize that how long it took the love of God to break through in our heart, who knows? How long it'll take for the love of God to break through in their heart and how long it takes for lordship to be established. That's individual, isn't it? But at the same time, for us to be able to daily come before him and realize his mercies are new every day, so must mine. His love is pure day by day, so must mine. You know, my earthly mother, she, well, earthly mother, I didn't have a heavenly one, but the, uh, uh, I was never Catholic, I'm sorry. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, but I mean, here, my, my mother she was, when I was a little kid, she was the easiest woman on the planet to manipulate, so I thought. She was somebody there. She was so loving and so patient and kind. Somehow or another, you could, you could manipulate her. You could you know, just bend her like anything. And when you heard my mother, there was somebody there, you'd get in trouble. And my dad, he was different. You didn't mess with my dad. My dad, it's funny, I have no mention of him raising his voice. Never threw a piece of furniture, never lost his temper, never did anything. You know, but, he, but what he said, he said it once. That's it. And if you were hard of hearing, well, that's too bad. I got a belt that'll help your ears perk up. And that's how it was. My dad, he, he was a tough Scotsman. He didn't mess with him. But my mom, you could, you could do anything with it. And my mom, she was so, you know, she would come to us and, you know, yeah, all right, you did it. I'm going to have to tell your father. When he gets home. Now, that, 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 she couldn't scare us at all, but as soon as she said, I got to tell your father. But then my mother, she, she would turn, she said, but I'll tell you. If you would like to pray with me about this, we can just give it to the Lord. Oh, glory to God, Mom, let's pray. <laughs> I just heard heaven. And she'd go for it. And we could play and manipulate. It took us a long time to realize she was the manip manipulator, not, not us. She was the one that when you know, you'd go to bed and you were in trouble, and you got a licking or whatever. But my mother would follow my dad in the room after he had dealt with us and tell us how wonderful we were. You're so precious. God has a wonderful plan for your life. I can already see what you're going to be. And I said, go tell dad that. Don't, don't tell me that. That didn't do any good now. But she had this way about her that she, you know, you just thought she looked at rose-colored glasses. No, she saw 
She saw what she was praying for. She believed what she was praying for, even though there was no earthly evidence of it. And there was something there as, as it wears you down and the love wears you down. You know, like Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. That love had grabbed hold of me and it won't let me go. I've never seen anything so magnificent, so powerful, so overwhelming. And I, when that parental love, I remember after I came to the Lord as a junior in college and I said, again, I got it. My brother and I, we were in a prayer group with two friends that we just had on our own, got a Bible study and we'd read the Bible and pray together. And these, uh, these two friends, their, their mother was a widow. Their dad had died some years before. I never met him. Mother was a sweet lady. <clears throat> but here are these two guys, friends of ours. One night, my brother and I are with them, having our little study. And, uh, and they just kind of perked up and said, you know, we've, we've talked about an interesting thing. Or I don't know what exactly would open the conversation. But it was, uh, we talked about if we could pick out anybody that we knew to be our father. We'd pick your dad. And I'm kind of, really? <laughs> I wouldn't pick him. <laughs> you know, the, I, I didn't get a choice. You know, not this guy. <laughs> this guy. You know, I mean, we'd had a pretty con, con, lot of confrontations. A lot of difficulties. I, I look back and you grow up and you realize they, they, he was just trying to do his job as best he could. He had a rebellious guy, somebody there that was, you know, out to lunch most of the time. And he's trying to deal with me as you finally look back on it. But in, well, at the time, you don't see it. Well, I'm, I'm a new enough Christian, though, but I'm realizing my dad has really been a good guy. And so we prayed about things. And I was so moved by this. I go home and I come in and my dad's up watching TV or something. And I come in and say hello and things. And he said, you know, hi to me and things. And I said, do you have a minute? And he said, sure, what? I said, can I talk to you? And he said, yeah. And I said, Dad, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I ask your forgiveness. I, I realize what a kid I've been. I realize that all the problems, and I know you no need to go on a list. We all have a list. But all the things that I've been, and I said, Dad, I just, I just thank you your love, and, and I want to tell you that I love you. And my dad was never a man of tears. I saw when his dad died at the funeral, we were shocked. My dad had tears looking into the casket. And his love for his father. We thought, Dad, did we talk to each other? Dad's crying. Couldn't believe it. My dad didn't cry, and he did. Well, I'm sitting there looking at my dad, and I said, I love you. And he, did, he joked up. He didn't know what to say. And he, and he just kind of, and I said, Is, did Mama wait? What's oh, she went to bed. And I said, well, I, I want to tell her, too. I'll tell her tomorrow. My dad said, no, no. No, 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 no. That, 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 that she'll want to hear this. Just go wake her up. Like, you might be sober tomorrow or something, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what he meant, but no, no. <laughs> Not, believe me, we're going. He goes in, turns on a life, wakes up my mom, says, honey, my mom's shocked. You know, what is everything okay? What's happened? She's, you know, kind of waking up. She says, Don wants to say something to you. And, uh. And, and she, yeah, what? And so I tell her the same thing. My mom just gets this huge smile. I said, all I put you guys through. And my mother said, you know, all I remember is the good times. And I'm such a character, but I looked over at my dad. I said, oh, dad, I'm sorry. 
I push mom over the edge. <laughs> she's gone, you know. <laughs> you know, she's crazy. <laughs> she, and my dad, because he could say, I remember, <laughs> but my mom didn't. But when somebody there, they look at his parents, they look at the battle, they look at what it is. They signed up for it. That's what I'm grateful for. They look there and decide. They realize, you, you know, you can train a child to mow a lawn. You can train a child to do their homework. Maybe train them to kind of appear respectful to adults. But God doesn't want Christians by reason or by routine or by regulation. He wants them by passion. He wants them by devotion, with sincerity and truth. He wants them because they're going to fight their battles of their own life and the challenges they're going to have ahead of them. And it's not just mechanical or human. It's spiritual. It's divine. Like Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in this world against spirit of wickedness in high places. He says, this is our battle. This is our warfare. When you became a child of God and you put on that armor, you put on that nature, you put on that life. You signed up. And here it's a challenge, though, that ultimately only the Lord can fight it. Only the Lord can fight it. He's the one for the children of Israel as Joshua goes through this chapter some 24 times. Pardon me, 22 times in chapter 24. Joshua makes it clear all the history of these battles, but he makes it clear he fought them all. He fought them. He won them. We didn't win them. God won them. We just agreed to the battle. We just put our foot where we were told to put it. To put it. That was our part. Just put our foot out. Just sign up and say, all right, I want the territory. I want the land. He said, all right. If you want it, you put your foot out. You take a step and you take the step and you'll watch your enemies fall. Here is something. No man comes to Christ unless the Spirit draws. No man can say that Jesus is, by, is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. It's, his, it's our battle and our challenge. But what it really is is, will I put my foot forward? Will I do what he wants? Will I, will I say, I want that verse? And realize that we have just signed up for the highest and most glorious and loftiest reason for which we exist. And we've chosen to follow him. And when that's what it is, after that and after that you know, battle, I believe, comes the joy. After it, you know, and in the process of it, doesn't come easy. Getting, you know, on one hand, getting them into the land was no easy task. And then getting them to be in the battle and to want the battle and to keep going was no easy task. But boy, was it ever worth it for Moses. Boy, was it ever worth it for Joshua. The battle when it came, how victorious, how wonderful it was. And I tell you, Dad, you know, when there's something that for the battle that when you will say they realize, Lord, all I can do is put my foot. I can't, I can't convert a soul. I can't change a child. I can't fix a grandkid. I can't do any of this. I can't. But the person that signs up and the man who puts his foot out and takes his step and waits upon God is the one personally I have the greatest regard for, the one that's in the heat of the battle and realize even on our last breath in this life, the battle will go on. You'll just pass it on like Moses did to Joshua. And now Joshua did to pass on to them. Say, all right, my battle's over. I'm going to heaven. And he handed the battle. It's now yours. It's now your, for, your warfare. And there was somebody there that when that's what they longed for. 
Well, there's no greater joy, as John said, than my children walk in the truth. And when that's what somebody has. But then when it's there to where to realize there that, you know, right now maybe some of you here sitting here, see, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know my life. You don't know what a mess. You don't know my kid. You don't know what's gone on. You don't know the struggles. You know what's there. You know what, what, what's out there at all. Some of you maybe got, you're, you're t trying to deal with your home alone. You don't even have a partner that shares and that you can sit here today and feel alone in it. And then you also feel like, you know, I, I don't even know where my kid is. I don't even know what's, what, what's going on. Let me tell you, you don't know, but the Lord knows. He knows where they are. He loves them. He died for them. You're second in line. You're second in line. You didn't die for them. You didn't create them. You're not the one that will prepared to intercede and present them faultless. Watch over them and provide and protect and take care of them. He signed up for that. He just looks to you to say, you put your foot out. You pray. You, you, you put that verse on your door. You stick it on your, on your mirror. You put there within your heart. I, and God knows full well, we just, put the, we just put a sign, you know, right on our forehead that tells the devil, go ahead, give it your best shot at me. We just signed up for it. But when we do that, we signed up. You know, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to long for him, to long for his kingdom to come, and to long for what he loved, and to long for the church, and to build the, the body, and to do the ministry that he was called them to, knowing the sorrow that was going to come, the hearts that they were going to deal with, knowing what they were going in. John sixteen twenty, Jesus says, Truly, truly, you shall weep and lament. All the world will rejoice, and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow. But I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice with joy that no man can take from you. And you know, when you offer there your life, your child, your home, you'll weep. You will sorrow. You will have tears. You know, the, I think sometimes the problem, <laughs> we have presidents and senators and governors and, and we have rock stars and athletes and role models that I think probably one of the things about them, they never had anybody weep for them. They never had anybody mourn over them. They never had anybody cry out to God for their lives and they just grew up in the world thriving in it, and yet entirely deceived. But when there's somebody like Hannah that walks into the temple and can hardly speak a word audibly, but her lips just move, saying, God, whatever you want, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. Or like Abraham, who was willing to offer up his son, or Elizabeth brings her boy, if only days old, into the temple. And there's Zacharias, he sees. And he looks at Mary, realizing there's the Messiah of the world in his hand. But he looks at her. 
and tells her of the sorrow and the grief and what it is she will deal with. And when you, you find there on how, when we, you know, look at what we want. And as we close it, I want to ask you a question. That is, maybe some of you, you know, you, you've already made the decision. Many of you, I'm sure, have made the decision. That's on my doorpost. Maybe even some of you literally. Maybe some of you even have it hung in your wall, but maybe others of you say, I, I haven't put that verse up. And today you want to say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. In a moment, I may ask you if, if you want to stand. You want to say, I'm putting my foot out. Because if you can't put your foot out here, believe me, you won't at home. Maybe some of you right now, you've got, a, you've got prodigals. You've got some, as I say, you don't know where they are. You haven't spoken for years and your last conversations were failures. And here you find yourself. But you say, maybe this is one of the reasons I'm here today. He who aims at nothing will hit it every time. I want to aim at this verse. My house. And if maybe that's where you're at, I'd like you just to, to first of all, if, if for your house, you and your house, you realize I need to stand for that, then I invite you just to stand and we're going to pray. Any of you. That you realize, God, you brought me here today and now, don't just do it for anybody else. Maybe you're, you've already done it. You're it's settled in your heart. But maybe others, it's rekindling. And the Lord said, I, I want you to go back. And maybe others of you, you've got a prodigal and they are far from you. I was talking to a man the other day. He's been in ministry. He sat on boards of some of the biggest ministries, you know, around and uh, he came to me and he said, my, my own son won't talk to me. We've been divided now for a number of years. And this man loves the Lord. He says, we, it, it's tough. But maybe some of you, you got, you got some kids out there that you realize, Lord, I want you to go get them. <laughs>